today, even Molly are sick. Originally, um, the plan was to continue uh, looking at the series, The Story of God, and we were going to be in Ezekiel this week, and, and Dave was scheduled to preach again, but uh, we had to make some adjustments to that. And so, you've got me today, uh, and we're not going to be in Ezekiel. In fact, we're going to stay in Jeremiah. Uh, and we're actually going to reference the exact same verses Dave referenced last week. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, and we'll read those in just a second. Uh, Dave's, as we're looking at this series all throughout, as we're working our way through the Bible, the, the perspective that we're approaching this with is the story of God. When we look at the text, when we look at the scripture, what is the story of God? It's often easy for us to uh, get fixated or focused on a uh, biblical character, one of the the real people um, that lived, that experienced this thing or that thing. Whether it's good, it was a miraculous event, or it was something horrific and, and wicked and evil, but our attention can quickly get shifted and focused on those things. And what we've tried to do as we work through this and as we continue to work through the Bible is to identify what is the story of God in the midst of that. To not focus on the person, but to focus on God. What was God doing at that particular place and time with those people? And as a result, how is God using that? How do we apply that then to our lives now? So Dave preached last week from Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, and I wasn't with you guys last week uh, as a part of my role with Valley Ram. I was actually visiting one of our other churches. Uh, but I did watch him online, uh, and as we were discussing what we were going to do, uh, I, you know, the big question that he posed last week was uh, the this. And the title was, you were made for this. And so as you think about your life, what is the this? And so we were wrestling back and forth. Well, not really wrestling, just discussing what this Sunday would look like on, on Friday, I suppose it was. And I said, well, I suppose I was made for this. So I'm going to preach, but we're going to stay in Jeremiah 1. So in that very specific context, that's how we applied it. But he, he did a great job of, of communicating uh, the significance, the um, the main idea of this text. And so uh, today we're going to look at it. We're going to continue to look at that same passage. I'm going to focus on a very short phrase in that passage. And, and what I'm going to communicate is not necessarily the main idea of this text. It's probably secondary. But it comes out of a, a very real need that God has identified in my life this past year. So I was studying through Jeremiah on my own, just my own kind of daily devotional type stuff. Uh, and, and right here in Jeremiah chapter 1, God made me aware of something that I wasn't aware of. And so we're going to kind of look at that. I don't suppose that that is your need, although I think it may apply. And if you hear this and you think, ah, that's not my need at all, Josh, well, then just pray for me as I work through that. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let's read this real quick, and then we'll jump into this a little bit more. It's Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, this is Jeremiah now speaking, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you declares the Lord. 
Let me ask you a question. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you several questions today, and so I'm going to need some interaction a little bit. Did anybody go out and eat this weekend? Has anybody eaten out recently? Got like a sit-down type place? Did you get a refill? Yeah? You looked at your glass, and you realized it was empty, and you said, I what? I need a refill, right? That's simple. Just stay with me. It's okay. We, we can talk during this. When, when I go out to eat, Titus is like me as well. Uh, like, I'm going to get my money's worth on whatever liquid it is I'm drinking. And so I'm consistently looking at my glass, and I make the statement, I need a refill. I need a refill. Uh, and I could occasionally get irritated if it's not filled up fast enough. In 1969, the Rolling Stones released a song uh, with these lyrics. Now, I'm not going to sing them to you. Uh, you can YouTube that. But you'll, you'll probably recognize these lyrics, and you might even try to sing along with me. It says, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you'll find you get what somebody knows it you need, right? You get what you need. Now, we make need statements like this all the time. Like, I need a refill. Matter of fact, uh, you can probably think of some sitting here. What are things that in your life that you say, I need? Go ahead. It's all right. I need a break. I need a break. Uh, I need a nap. Both of those are good. What else? I need gas. I need ice cream. We needed ice cream last night, so we went and got some. Yeah, we need all kinds of things. We need more money. We need more time. We need rest. We need, let's see, uh, we need a vacation. Sometimes we just need a little peace and quiet. Uh, We need a friend. There's lots of things that we say we need. Now, I don't pretend to think that the Rolling Stones have all the answers, but they offer an interesting concept. Uh, They don't state it this way, but essentially what they're suggesting is that um, you might know what you want, but it may not necessarily be what you need, right? Let me give you an example. Um, This past couple of weeks, uh, this past week uh, for sure, this morning possibly, when it's cold outside and you go out and you start your car up, has anybody had uh, a tire pressure light? come on because of the cold weather yeah so if your tire pressure light comes on what do you need air Air. or do you so your tire pressure light comes on i go to discount tire so when it comes on i head straight to discount tire most of the time and i go over there and i pull up and i say hey i need some air and the attendant comes out and he looks at it Um, but as he begins to investigate it he looks at it and he he comes back and he says you know maybe i don't I don't think you need air. I think you need a tire. Maybe there's a a screw in it and your tire's punctured. Uh, Or the the valve stem uh, is is faulty and it's leaking. Or you've driven it too long and the wires are showing on your tire. Air is not going to fix your problem, is it? You can put air in it, but you don't actually need air. You need to fix this real problem, and then you can put air in it. So we make need statements about our life. And we don't always investigate them fully. Often what we do is we offer a solution. So the question Dave posed last week is, what is this for you? If you were made for this, if if God appointed you to this, if God has given you to this, 
We learned last week that God gave Molly to Saudi Arabia. She was excited about that. Uh, it's not real. But what is the need? Without offering a solution. Now you think about this in, in, in context with your walk with the Lord and your, your relationship with God. Or Consider it this way. If I, if I were to ask you, what do you need in your relationship with God? I bet I can give you four, five, six answers that almost every believer would give me off the top of their head. I just need to read more. If I read more, I would probably be where I need to be. I need to pray more. Uh, if you ask pastors what their church members need, they would say they just need to give more, right? You hear that from preachers all the time. Uh, you, you need to serve more. Um, you, you need some basic things, and some of those are good, like air for your tire, but I don't know that that's always what our greatest need is. At least that's what God has, has pointed out in my own life as I think about my own greatest need. We've read the text. Dave preached through this, and so I, I'm not going to re-preach what Dave preached. But I want to draw your attention specifically uh, to a couple of words. Uh, and Dave did hit on these. In verse 5, we see the word formed. That's the same word that's used in Genesis 2-7. Uh, when God is creating humanity, he formed Adam and Eve. Okay, so we're talking about this type of formation. You see also the word new, and I believe Dave hit on this one. There's, there's kind of two types of, of knowledge if you know something. The Bible uses this word in a couple of different ways. There can be factual knowledge, and there can be carnal knowledge, uh, more intimate. And this word that's used here in the Hebrew really can bind them. Uh, it's an all-knowing kind of thing. Now, that seems somewhat obvious, but it's significant. Uh, the type of, uh, the way in which God knew Jeremiah was um, he knew everything about him before he was created and what he was going to have him do. And then if you look at the end of verse 8, and this is where we're going to really kind of zero in uh, on this phrase this morning. You see it actually three times in this chapter, in, in verse 8, 15, and 19. Um, but the end of that verse, there's three words. Declares the Lord. Now, does anybody want to be bold enough and say those three words the way you read them? Anybody can do that? I'll tell you how I read them. It's loud, okay? Like, I read that, and I, I, I'm seeing this scene with Jeremiah, and he has this encounter with God. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. And I get to the end, and he says, declares the Lord. Like, it's, it's even louder than that, but I don't want to blow your eardrums. I mean, it's a, it's a bold, authoritative statement. God has just spoke to Jeremiah, told him what he's going to do, who he's going to be, and how he's going to do it. All of these things. And God, from the heavens, his voice echoes. Except for that's not necessarily how this phrase uh, is communicated. As I was looking through this, as I was uh, studying this, and by chance I came across uh, the Hebrew word here is Naum, and I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. But it, the word Naum, uh, it, it's not fully understood, but uh, the best kind of study and understanding of it is it's a, an utterance or a whisper. Uh, it, it communicates this idea of intimacy, of, of closeness. And so 
in my mind when I, I read this, and, and in Jeremiah more than any other prophet, you see this, this phrase 176 times throughout here. Declares the Lord, declares the Lord, declares the Lord. Jeremiah is consistently uh, telling us and telling the people there that what he is communicating is not just of his own, but it's what God has communicated to him. Uh, things either maybe about himself or the message that he's to communicate to others. But it comes from the Lord, and I would read that and read that and read that. And I just hear this booming voice in my mind. But it seems like it was much more of a whisper. Which caused me to then think, well, what? why is God whispering? And I think the answer is simple. It's not super definitive. The text doesn't say this specifically. But as, as I spent time with the Lord and, and I considered this before the Lord in my own life, is, is I, I, want to, I want to hear God speak this way to me. But in my mind, it's usually uh, I'm anticipating God to write something in the sky. To, to loudly proclaim some clear direction about what my life is going to be or what I'm going to do. But it seems with this very simple phrase, this, this one Hebrew word, that what is actually taking place is a very close, intimate conversation with Jeremiah. Like, dear friends, an intimate relationship. Now, if you couldn't hear me, let me say it again. If I'm whispering and I'm far away, or there's things in between us, there's other noises taking place, you can't hear. But if I'm close to you, you can hear. You think, no kidding, Josh. That makes perfect sense, right? Fair enough. But what does this have to do with us? We often want to think about the need. I need to know what this is for me. What has God appointed for me? That's my greatest need. What has God given me? It's my greatest need. And, and to some degree it is. It's, it's significant. We, we need to know that. We want to know that. We desire to know that. But we're tempted to think maybe God just hasn't told me. Maybe, maybe God hasn't, hasn't communicated this to me yet. I've said this and I've, I've asked others and had them speak things like this to me. Like, I, I just need the Lord to speak into this. I have a decision that needs to be made. Uh, I, I feel like going this direction. I want to do this thing. I just, I just need God to speak. And if God would speak, I would just obey. And I would be good with it. At least that's kind of how I, I think in my mind. But... This passage has caused me to, to think and to slow down and to, to consider that maybe God is often speaking to me, but it's in a whisper. He's speaking as if, as if I'm, I'm right beside him, where I should be. But in, in my life, there's a lot of things that are creating distance between me and God. And I think, oh, God, if you would just speak, I would just do it. Which my track record would not necessarily prove that to be the case. But Lord, just just speak. And I think maybe he is. Be 
22 years ago this year, when we, when we hit September 11th, it will be 22 years um, since uh, the United States was attacked in the Twin Towers. Uh, they flew planes into the Twin Towers and, and they crashed. 22 years. Uh, now that had a lot of impact on a lot of people's lives in many different directions. Three days after that event, uh, President Bush is at ground zero, and he's standing on top of the rubble. He has a bullhorn in one hand and, and his arm around a, a New York firefighter in the other. And he begins to address the crowd. I mean, there's uh, a large crowd of volunteers, uh, of, of not just volunteers, but people who work for the fire department or, 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 you know, emergency services. There's family members. There's people that have already been coming into New York City to help with the cleanup and the recovery. It's a mess. The, the country was in a mess. And President Bush addresses the crowd, and as he begins to speak, the camera's, you know, focused on the president, but you hear off in the distance, off camera, you don't see them, you hear somebody yell, but you can faintly hear it. They say, I can't hear you. And president Bush pauses. Now, he was not always uh, accused of being the most intelligent president, but he was often witty. And he stood there for just a moment. And he said, I can hear you. I can hear you. We all hear you. And soon the whole world would hear you. And the crowd responds well to that. And they begin to chant USA, USA, USA. And it, it, it's a really neat scene in the history of our country. Uh, it can be emotional. But what? is more emotional is thinking about all the times in your own life and throughout churches, followers of Jesus, pastors, leaders, that are more like the man off camera, yelling in a distance at God, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And a genuine desire to hear from God. Now this, this person could have done many different things. Now some may have found those to be rude in that moment. But he could have moved closer. Uh, he could have moved things out of his way. He, he could have asked people around him to, uh, to be quiet maybe. Instead he stands back there and yells. Now I can think about my own life and think about times where I've not not in anger, but have, have yelled at God as if, if I spoke louder, he, he could hear me better. God, I can't hear you. Lord, I, I want to hear you. And, and I thought that my need was just to hear. I needed God to speak. And I can reflect back all my life now and see that he was, in fact, in different ways through his word, through prayer, through his people through different circumstances, that he was, in fact, speaking to me. But I, I couldn't recognize his voice. My proximity to the Lord was not close enough that I could hear him whisper. Does that make sense? The need may not be for God to speak up, but for you to draw closer. That... That when God speaks, that when he whispers into your life, 
that it's deafening. That it seems so loud. As if he's, he's right here in your ear. Now the question then is, is what is in your life that needs to be changed or removed so that you can be so close to the Lord that when he whispers you hear it? What changes have to be made? It could be a gazillion things. I don't know what those are. I don't pretend to know what those are for you. Some days I don't know what they are for me. But I think it's a, it's a very real question that we have to ask ourselves. We do need to know what this is in our life. And it may be that the Lord is speaking that to you already. See, I, I have found um, to be true at times in my life and through observation of, of other believers and through other churches that sometimes it's easier to stand at a distance and yell at God, I can't hear you than it is to remove the things that he wants out of our life so that we can get closer. It's, it's easier for me to say, you know what? I sought the Lord. I wanted to hear from the Lord. I earnestly prayed about what the Lord wanted me to do, and I didn't hear from him. He didn't speak loud enough. He didn't speak quickly enough. Maybe he didn't speak at all, but for whatever reason, he chose to be silent in this case in my life. And you know what? I just had to, I just had to use my best human logic and reasoning. And in faith, I kind of I stepped out took a guess, and I thought, this is what the Lord would want me to do, and, and I call that faith. And so if it works out, fantastic, the Lord blessed it. And if it doesn't, God didn't speak into it. And so I made a mistake, and, and we'll, we'll kind of redirect. And, and the Lord still works in our lives in the midst of that. God still chooses to accomplish his purposes regardless of where we're at in proximity to him, which is incredible bizarre almost but what would life look like for you if you were that close to him what would he have you change what would it look like in this case jeremiah knew exactly what god had called him to do he didn't have to guess faith wasn't him guessing what god wanted faith in this case was was knowing God wants me to be a prophet to the nations. And it frightened him. He immediately responded with excuses. His, his ability to communicate, his maturity. It sounds like Moses with his ability to communicate and Solomon with his maturity. We see this over and over as we look at these, these uh, men of faith throughout Scripture as God calls them to these things. Faith then is knowing what God wants you to do. Maybe not the whole thing, maybe not every step of the way, but, but you've heard clearly from the Lord, and now what he's called you to do is going to take some real faith and obedience to follow through with that. I think that's a different approach. Maybe not than what you've had, but in my life, that's a different approach than what I've had. To be in such communion with the Father that I'm clear on what he's asking me to do, and the question is, is whether or not I'll be obedient. That I recognize the voice of God. You have people in your life that you recognize their voice. That you're close with. That 
you don't even have to know they're in the room, but when they speak, you're like, oh, hey, they're here. I can, I can hear Deidre's breathing patterns and know that she's in the room with me. Can you say the same thing about the Lord? What? Wouldn't it be incredible to be able to say that? And I don't think the Lord's trying to keep everything secret from us. I don't think he's laying out our entire life in front of us. Jeremiah served in this role for 40 years. And what he was appointed to, broadly, was a prophet to the nations. But the messages that he was given, to whom he was speaking them to, the circumstances surrounding each one of those changed over the course of 40 years. But... But his appointment, his calling, what he had been given to as a prophet to the nations had not changed. But it seems also that his proximity to the Lord did not change. Because all along the way, 176 different times you see this interaction between him and the Father. It's where the Lord makes something very clear. He, he speaks into his life. And so no matter the circumstances, even when people didn't listen, when he was, when he was beaten, when the challenges were horrible... I mean, they're horrific. The city's under siege. The nation is being destroyed, and God's given him this message to communicate. And no one, no one listens. As you go farther in, you see God brings an indictment of the people, of the leaders. And it was simple at times. You never asked, what are you doing, God? You never asked, where are you? If you would have, I, I, I would have been there. I would have delivered you from this. In fact, he, he speaks specifically of the, of the leaders, of the priests, of the shepherds, he calls them, not the ones that are literally tending the sheep, but the ones that are caring for the people. And he says that the shepherds were foolish or stupid in some translations because they didn't do that thing. They didn't say, where are you, God? What are you doing? They didn't listen. In this case, to hear from God would have been to hear from Jeremiah and to respond to what he's communicating. He's the mouthpiece of God. And sometimes in your life, there's going to be people that God has put in place to speak directly to you. To share with you either, either very uh, overtly about what God is doing or, or covertly in the sense that they don't know that that's what they're doing. There's going to be times where you, where you identify those things through God's word or through prayer, through the church, through the different circumstances in your life. But if we're so far away from God, if there's so many things that are creating distance, other noise, other distractions, then when God chooses to whisper into your life, let you know what the next thing is. You may not hear it. Again, I don't pretend to assume that this is your issue. The Lord has made this clear in my life that this is specifically an issue for me. But, but what? Let's go back to the tire. I go and I say, hey, I need some air in my tire. They don't look at it. They just put some air in my tire. And I drive off down the road. 
And the next thing you know, I'm on the side of the highway because my tire's blown. You think about Scripture as we're working our way through it. And this wasn't intentionally planned to be a part of this series, The Story of God. But, but consider it this way as you think about this. Uh, what is the story of God in your life? How is that going if, to... If, if your life was recorded, if somebody was recording the, the events and the circumstances and the significant moments throughout your life, and they're trying to identify the story of God in that, would they be able to at this point? What could you change for that, that to be clear later on? For Jeremiah, we see very clearly that he becomes the mouthpiece of the Lord and he speaks on behalf of God because God speaks into his life. And there's this relationship, this this extremely close, intimate relationship. But we see for the entire nation of Israel, not only the nation of Israel, but all the nations surrounding them at that time, that the story of God in their life was that there were a people who were obstinate and would not listen, who refused to respond to God. That's the story of God for 60 chapters or so in Jeremiah. As these two opposing ideas held in tension with one another. One who, who listens and responds to God an entire region of people who do not. So what is the story of God going to be like in your life when it's all said and done? You may not be a prophet to the nation. That seems somewhat unique. They've identified how it might be specific for you in the different places or locations or whatever it is, but how will you know? Could you know? I think we can And I think the impact that that would have on our daily lives would be extraordinary. To have the ability to live in everyday peace with God. We were promised as those who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ that turn from ourselves and our sins, that, that we're promised eternal peace. But often we see men and women in our churches all across North America and probably around the world who live day in and day out, whether the challenges are, are extremely good or extremely bad, without any peace in their life. Because they don't have this type of connection with the Father, this type of union with the Father. Jesus talks in John 10, he says, uh, he, he calls himself the Good Shepherd. He says, my sheep know my voice. So do you know the voice of God? Are you that familiar with it? Can you recognize it when he whispers? If the Lord speaks to you, don't not respond. Um, we don't generally do altar calls, but share that with somebody. You can share it with me, you can share it with somebody sitting around you, but, but if the Lord speaks to you and you sense that the Lord is communicating to you, one of the best ways that... that you can respond to that as by sharing it with somebody. One, it makes it a little bit more concrete. Two, it, it provides some accountability for you, whether you like it or not. To say, this is what the Lord is doing, and, and here's what I need to do to respond to it. So let's stand, uh, and we'll sing one last song.